Father, we have the greatest privilege that is ever given a people at a time, and that is to lift you up and to praise your holy and righteous name. And we give you so much thanks, Father, for many different reasons. And some here give you uh, their burdens, Father, because they're heavy. And we ask that you would help to carry it. Uh, others, Father, we, we just rejoice because, Father, you've been so blessing us. And there's nowhere else to go but to thank you for your kindness. And so, Lord, whether it be someone right now that's going through deep, deep waters or others of us, Father, that are just... Uh, rejoicing over what is going on in our lives. Um, may we come to you in all of our circumstances and lift you up higher and higher. Father, you are the Lord of all. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' precious name, amen. How are you all? Well, let me see if you can find the book of Joshua. We are going on in a new journey, and I am really excited about it. I cannot even begin to tell you how excited I am to start this book. Oh my gosh, these past week and taking a look at this and reading the commentaries about this great book is unbelievable what's going to fold out before us. We're looking at Joshua. Look at, if you look in your Bibles and you start, there's, there's first five books of the Bible are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. And following Deuteronomy is Joshua. And then there's Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, and then 1st, 2nd uh, Kings, and Samuel, and Chronicles. And, and, and so we're going to try to take a good look at the, the Old Testament. We're going to be cross-referencing in the Old Testament and seeing what is Joshua saying to us. A few weeks back, um, a few weeks back, we had uh, Pastor Bill come and, and spoke about the transition from Moses to Joshua. We're going to take a look at that very briefly this morning. What we're going to see is how Moses, how we have incorporated within our life as a church, as a family, as a group of people, we've incorporated into our lives the whole premise and the idea of passing it on, of, of taking what we have and giving it to the next generation. That is exactly what Moses did to Joshua. Actually, the Lord God did it, but Moses, he used Moses to kind of formulate within Joshua's heart and mind to be a man that was extraordinary. But what we're going to find out about Joshua is we're going to find out about everybody that we study in the Bible. What makes them extraordinary is not who they are, but rally, but rather what they believe in the God in whom they worship and whom they love. And it, we're going to see that Joshua is reminded over and over and over again, I want you to be strong and I want you to be courageous. Because God says to him over and over again, just as he said to Moses, I will be with you, I will go ahead of you, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. I am there. And those same promises are yours and mine today. We have the same promises that God has given to those wonderful Old Testament saints. We have the promises, though, that are spiritual. Not all of the promises that they're going to reap will we be able to reap because they're going to see the benefits physically. They're going to be able to tangibly have it, like the land. You and I have the land, but the land is the spiritual land called heaven. That is ours. God has prepared that place for us. It is ours. And we are going to go into that land just as surely as the people of Israel and Joshua went into the, the land crossing the Jordan River. And so we're going to go now on a wonderful journey. We're going to go into the journey of God's most 
precious and glorious word. We're going to see what God says to Joshua concerning who God is, concerning who Joshua is, and concerning the people that God has asked Joshua to care for. And all of this is going to be centered on the very thing that we have done ever since we've opened our doors. And that is centered upon the very Word of God. The Word of God is, is critical. Marvel with me, please. Marvel with me as we read Joshua chapter 1. Let's look at the first nine verses. We won't look at them uh, line upon line today because we want to set the, the whole idea of what God is doing through the life of Joshua. And what I want you and me to see is he's doing the same thing through us if we would just understand what God is trying to do in and through your and my life. Watch. This is, this is holy, holy ground. Verse 1, Joshua chapter 1. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Verse 3, every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given to you just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of Hittites and as far as the great sea towards the setting of the sun will be your territory. Verse 5, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will note, I will not fail you, nor will I forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. You shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Now watch what God tells Joshua in verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to what? According to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. In other words, forgive me for stopping here, but, but Moses commanded Joshua, Moses passed along the faith that he had in his God to Joshua. So, that he's, so the Lord God says, just as Moses, my servant, commanded you or passed along to you. He says, now back to verse 7, excuse me for that little interruption, do not turn from it, it meaning the law, to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. Let me stop again. I'm sorry, but this is just an amazing place in the Word of God. Do you and I want success? Of course we do. Of course we do. Well, then what shall we do? Verse 8 is one of the great verses in all of Scripture. And we will probably refer back to it often. Look what it says in verse 8. Listen, this book of the law, in other words, the Word of God, it shall not depart from your mouth. That's one. Two, you shall meditate on it day and night. Why? Three, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Four, because then you will make your way prosperous. And five, then you will have success. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? If you know, God does not make suggestions. Rather, he gives you and me commands. And so he says, again, be strong 
and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And folks, today, today, you and I have the same God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we have the same promises today. The Lord God is with us wherever we go. We need to be strong. We need to be courageous. We do not need to tremble or be dismayed because the Lord our God is with us wherever we go. And so this place in Scripture, as you might can tell, has got me pumped up. I mean, really. I've read this. I've read different commentaries. I, it's a wonderful thing to do. Maybe, maybe you'd like to do it. I don't know. It's my way of... I love doing it. I'd rather do that than play around to golf or tennis or anything. I'd rather sit down and just compare commentaries with one another and see what the Lord God is saying to my heart as I read through the Word of God, to see what the commentators are saying so that I can, we can incorporate what we're learning into our own lives. And I am saying to you today, God is yelling at you and me, be strong, be courageous, don't tremble, do not be dismayed, because the Lord says, I am with you wherever you go. Father, please, Would you open up our eyes and our hearts and our minds and our thoughts and everything about us? Dear Father, would you please do us the greatest, greatest privilege, and that is allow us a glimpse of who you are, an understanding of what Joshua knew, that he need not be trembled, he need not be fearful, he need not be dismayed, even though there was battle after battle after battle, he knew that you were with him wherever he would go. And Father, may we understand the same thing here. May we stop running away afraid of this life which you've given us and rather let us stand before it with ourselves confessed of any sin and and just walking straight into the wonderful power of you, dear Father, lifting you higher and higher. And so, God, please move me aside. I, I just beg of you to do that because... This is, this is really holy and high ground we're walking on right now here with Joshua. May we, Father, please understand what you want us to understand. May you teach each of us individually as you so desire within each of our hearts and within each of our lives. Move me aside, please, dear Father. Let us see the wonders of this man, Joshua. More importantly, the wonders of his God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God who gave us our Messiah, Jesus Christ. The God whom we worship today because of your Son. It's in His name, the name of Jesus Christ, which is the name that is given above every other name that we come and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, here's what I realize. I realize as we go into this study that, that God is speaking to Joshua. And he's speaking to Joshua on behalf of his people, the people of Israel, so that they may inherit the land that he has given to them, so that they might cross the Jordan. But we too have a land. You and I today, we have a land that is ours. It, is, it will be ours one day when we cross to the other side. That land is called heaven itself. And we have inherited it. 
And the promises that God gives to Joshua are our spiritual promises too. And so what is our command? Our command is pure and simple. As you're going to see over and over again, God has told Joshua, either through Moses or he told him personally, Joshua, I want you to be strong and I want you to be courageous. I don't want you to be fearful because I'm with you wherever you go. That same command is yours and mine. We are to be strong, courageous, careful to do all. I mean all that is written within these pages. Whether it be the book of Acts that we just got through studying, whether it be now this journey that we will take in Joshua, no matter what book we study, we are to study it, we are to know it, and we are to follow all that is written within its pages. I want you to think with me for a moment. What we need to do, I thought about it when I was doing this study. There's a, there's a man named Ezra. He is, there's a book, Ezra, turn to the right. You'll, you'll find it. It's, it's after you go to Judges, past Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, and Kings, and, uh, and Chronicles. And you're going to find, after the book of Chronicles, you're going to see Ezra. Turn to Ezra chapter 7. It's just one verse. And I've said it to you before. It is one of the most powerful of verses because Ezra had a heart. Ezra set his heart to do something that I think is critical in your life and in my life. I want you and me to have the, the courage of Joshua and the heart of Ezra. In Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10, it says, Ezra had set his heart. You might want to note that. He set his heart to do three very distinctive things. Number one, he set his heart to study the law of the Lord. Once he set his heart to study the law of the Lord, it says in verse 10, he then practiced it. And then he taught it his statutes and his ordinances in Israel. That's the order, folks. The order within your life and my life is this, and it will never vary. It is to study first, then to practice, and then to teach. The Bible says in the book of James something very similar to this. James tells you, I don't want you to be merely hearers of the word, but also what? Doers. So, We are to be a group of people who study the Word of God. But we also have to be a group of people who practice what we learn. Do what we prepare. Practice it so that then later we can teach it. I've said this to you before. I want to say it again because I believe it's critical. I have never once in my life, to my knowledge, ever studied the Word of God during the week for any particular person. In other words, I don't study the Bible and say, this is what I think David needs, and I'm going to, you know, put that into my computer. I'm going to put it in my notes because this is really going to bless his life. I've never done that to any of you, none of you. Whenever I study the Word of God, I do it for one reason and one reason only, and that is to, to see what God is saying to me. I study so that God might move me closer to Him, so that I might know what I understand about the Word of God, and I might practice it so that maybe I can teach it. And that's the way it is. There are too many people out there in Christendom today that study and tell you what to do, and they don't do it themselves. They don't practice what they've learned. You and I need to be a people 
like Ezra. We need to be a people who study and practice what we've learned and then teach it. And that teaching can come just by living it out, just a way of life, just an attitude that you have that people will say, there is something different about you. What is it? And then you maybe be able to tell them, it is my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ that has changed my life. And that's the way we study, that's the way we practice, and that's the way we teach. You see, today's church, folks, today's church needs the message of Joshua and the heart of Ezra more than ever before. More than ever before. I'm convinced of it. Because we are living in a day when the criticism and the defeat within the church is too strong. We are, the church is becoming a group of wimps is what we've become. Solomon once called us in, in Song of Solomon 6.10. You don't need to turn there, but you might want to look at it later. Solomon says we are to be as pure as the sun and as awesome as an army with its banners flowing. Is the church that way today? You know, today I think we more than rather look like a, a dimly bunch of lit bulbs. And when you see us march, we look like prisoners of war. We've lost our courage. We've lost our strength. I want you to know something. This study of the book of Joshua has really moved my, my spirit. I, am, I, am, I do not want to play church. I want us to be the church that God's called us to be. And you and I need to be courageous. We need to be strong. And we need to not tremble or dismay at what lies before us. We need to be powerful because we need to believe with all of our hearts that our Lord God is with us wherever we go. Like it or not, Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 for a moment, would you please? Hold your place, of course, in Joshua. But turn way over to the New Testament. 2 Timothy, right kind of near the end of the New Testament. I'll just kind of give you a chance to get there. If, um, if you've, you, know, you go to the last book, the book of Revelation, you need, of course, turn to the left, and you'll go past the big book of Hebrews. And once you see Hebrews, uh, you're getting real close to uh, 2 Timothy. You'll go past Titus, so just a little book, and you'll find 2 Timothy. And Paul, who we've had the privilege of studying through the book of Acts quite extensively, Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, he says in verse 3, I, I want you to suffer hardship with me. Note, I want you to suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Paul says that we are expected to be as soldiers. And then Paul says, amazing verse in verse 4, no soldier in active service. In other words, let's stop there just for a second. No soldier that is actively serving out his tenure as a soldier, no soldier who is in active service will entangle himself or herself in the affairs of everyday life. In other words, we're to move aside those things of this life, the things of our flesh. Those things are to be put aside. No soldier 
who is in active service entangles himself in this everyday life, the sin of the flesh, so to speak, so that he doesn't entangle himself in that, so that he may please, verse 4 in 2 Timothy chapter 2, so that he may please the one who has enlisted him as a soldier. You have been enlisted. Do you know who has enlisted you? Jesus Christ. He is your commander. He is your Lord and your Savior. And He has asked you to be enlisted as a soldier. And so He's saying, don't entangle yourself in the affairs of the everyday life. More, be strong. More, be courageous. Don't tremble. Don't fear. Because I am with you, says God, wherever you go. Back to Joshua. The book of Joshua tells us how to be victorious soldiers. How to be victorious Christians and believers. How to claim our rich spiritual inheritance that is all found in the person of Jesus Christ. Joshua is going to teach you and me how to be strong and courageous as we face our enemies. Joshua is going to teach us how to march forward and to claim new territories unto the Lord through our lives and through our church. Now the question is, why embark on a study of Joshua? Joshua is mainly built upon wars and battles. We're going to see a lot of that. But we're going to also see that the study of Joshua is going to allow us to realize that the book of Joshua is a book of new beginnings for the people of God. And many of us today need a new beginning. I marvel at last week. Last week, in the Saturday evening service and the two services on Sunday, this one at 8 and the one at 10, there were many people that came forward. I don't know exactly how many, but many people came forward and said, you know, I want to have a new beginning. I marvel at you for that. I thank God for you for last week. Many of us came forward. And many of you in the, in the pews knew you didn't need to come forward. Your life and heart was all right, but you were ready to start a new beginning, a new walk with Jesus Christ. In Joshua's life, for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness. Israel, God's people, came upon the land. And they claimed the inheritance that was theirs. So as to enjoy the blessings of the land that God had prepared for them. Paul wrote to us later in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Don't need to turn there. It's a real quick verse. He says to you and me, you and I have been blessed with every spiritual blessings. You might want to look at it later. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Read that section of Scripture. We have, by God, been blessed with every spiritual blessing. But too often, too often the church today, we as believers are living our lives like we have no blessings at all. We just pick up scraps here and there when in fact God has been blessing us over and over and over again and we we neglect to see it. And I'm going to show you how that is true through the life of Joshua in a moment. When I got to this place in my message, I stopped for a moment. And I don't want to get, sound really super spiritual to you, but something overcame me in a sense. And, and I started typing on, I guess you'd call it typing on a computer. Or is it, I don't know what it's called, typing, same thing. So I started typing, on my, and I'm, I'm writing as fast as, as my mind could take me. And I, I started thinking about the difficult times that lay ahead of us. Um, How are we preparing ourselves? I thought about that. I don't know about you, but 
I really got moved. I really got moved to my very core watching the, um, the, um, the beginning of the Olympics. Did you see that at all? Wasn't it something? It was absolutely amazing. And when I was watching these people coordinating themselves and doing these, these things without any markings on the field, they were, it, was, it was awesome. And the announcer said that China has a fifth of the population of this earth. Over a billion and a half people. And we learn in the book of Revelation that one day an army will come from the east of over a billion people. And I looked and watched and marveled at their precision and their, their dedication and I thought, Maybe in our lifetime, we're going to see them march upon these shores. And I thought to myself, the whole idea of 9-11 and the difficulties that we went through that, and all of what we are doing today is just a, a small portion of what God has ahead of this, this world in which we live. We are promised one thing. There are going to be wars. And there are going to be rumors of wars. And so during that, watching that and watching these people just magnificently doing what they did, when they showed President Bush with President Putin, they said they must have been talking because Russia just went to war with Georgia. Is that right? Georgia. Not Atlanta, but with Georgia. And I'm thinking there's a war and rumors of war. So I got back to my message, and I got back to my notes, and I, I wrote this down. This is not a commentary. This is just my thoughts. <laughs> yes. But my, my point is, is are we prepared? Are we strong, and are we courageous? We might be coming into difficult times, folks. I feel like we are. I don't know. The Bible says that we don't know when that day is coming when our Lord's going to come back. We can just take a look at the signs of, of like a woman in childbirth. We can see how it escalates. We're seeing that. And yet, I thought to myself, do we as a church, do we as the Rock Community Church have all that we need, the rooms, the money, the facilities? And if we don't, why don't we? I believe it's simply because we do not trust God enough, as we ought to. We find that we're trying to make ends meet here at this church and, 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 and we're living like paupers when in fact we should be living like children of the king. We should be flourishing. We should be ready, prepared to take in the people that are lost and going through difficult times in the times to come so that we can have a place for them to be restored, so that we can have a place for them to bring their children, to find a place to worship, to find a place to play and to learn Tell me, I'm asking you a question. You don't need to yell it out, but when do most people come to Jesus Christ? In good times or in bad times? I'll, I'll tell you what, it, what I know is to, true, to be true. Most people come to Jesus Christ when times are difficult. But I'm asking us a question as a church. Will, be, will we be ready for them when they're ready to come? When God starts to bring them our way? 
After 9-11, I was told that there was a spike in people going to church like amazing. I mean, people started going, churches were becoming filled. But you know, it only lasted about a month. And then people went back to their old lifestyle. I yelled at Kay and I asked her, I'm writing this, read it to her, and I said, what do you think? And I said to her flippantly, please, I'm going to say to you, but do not misunderstand me. But I'll tell you what, if I wasn't a pastor of a church, if I was just a secular guy right now, I'd buy a, I'd buy a big building and turn it into a bar. I would. I turn it. Now, someone said to me last night, pastor said he wants to have a bar. No, I don't. No, I don't. But I'm going to tell you, there's two places that people go when difficulties come. They either go to drinking and drugs or they go to religion. Now, since I don't want a bar, make this clear. I know I'm not your normal pastor. But if I did have a room, I'd build it up. Boy, I'd make it really glittery and pretty and make people want to come on in. But since we have a church, we ought to do all that we can to make this place ready. I believe with all of my heart that there are some difficulties lying before us. And people are going to be searching for answers in their lives. They're going to be searching for those things that are going to give them some stability in their lives. And I ask myself the question that I ask you, are we weak? Are we trembling rather than being strong and courageous? Are we ready? Are we ready for the people that God's going to bring our way? Are we ready to lead them and their children to Jesus Christ and to help them grow in their faith and become a people who are entrenched in the Word of God? You see, I do not want to play church. After studying this book of Joshua, I do not want to be fearful and trembling anymore. I want to be strong. I want to be courageous. I want to live out the rest of my days being a church that God has called us to be. And so if you've You've come here and and you want to be a part of this church. You've got a pastor that's sold out. For the most part, I am a courageous man. For the most part, I am strong. I want to see what God's going to do through this church. And I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you through this book of Joshua to become a people that are courageous and strong, knowing that God is with us and knowing that we need to prepare ourselves for the onslaught of people that might be coming our way. Let's go back to Joshua now. Let's get to away from my thoughts and let's think what the Lord is saying. Moses taught Joshua throughout his life and he gave to Joshua the very baton of faith, the very thing that we do here at this church. He passed along the faith. Moses prepared Joshua for the coming wars. Moses prepared Joshua for the battles he was going to fight. But through it all, God reminds Joshua over and over again of one common thread. Look with me again at verse 5. God says to Joshua, just as I have been with Moses, Joshua, verse 5, I will be with you. I'm never going to fail you. I am never going to forsake you. And God has said the same thing to you and me today. You can trust in it. Then he says to Joshua, be strong and be courageous, he says in verse 6. And then in verse 7, he says again, only be strong, only be very courageous. Be careful to do all according to the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. In other words, he passed these, these, these ideals of faith on to you, Joshua. Don't turn from what he taught you, from either the right or to the left, so that you might have success, Joshua, wherever you go. What a wonderful promise verse 7 is. It is awesome. We see in verse 1, Moses died. 
And then God gives the mantle that once was Moses onto Joshua, having prepared Joshua through Moses. Let me tell you a little bit about Joshua, but we don't need to know a lot about him. But I'll tell you what, he came from a family of faith. Here's how I know. Joshua was born into slavery in Egypt. He was the firstborn. Here's how we know he, is a, he comes from a family of faith. He is still alive. The reason he is still alive is because his family, when they were told to put blood on the mantle of their door so that the death angel would pass over, they did it. And Joshua is still alive because his family was a family of faith. He was given the name originally as Hoshea. That means salvation. Moses changed his name from Hoshea to Joshua, which means Jehovah, the God of salvation. And what we're going to see is that Joshua is a type of Jesus Christ that leads the people into the promised land. Now Moses was a great prophet and Moses was a real administrator. Joshua, on the other hand, is a warrior. He was a man of great courage. He wasn't afraid to confront the enemy because, because he trusted in the Lord his God. Verse 5, God told Joshua, I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. And so we learn that Joshua believed God. We had just studied a, a man who had the heart like that. His name is Paul. And Paul, when he was on the ship, and it looked like it was going to sink, and it looked like they were going to fail. They were not going to get to the other place that they wanted to go. They weren't going to get to Rome. Paul stood up amongst all the men and said, Look, I believe God. We are going to make it. The God whom I behold, the God whom I believe in, He says we are going to make it. I am here to say to you, with the heartbeat of Joshua and the heartbeat of, of Paul, I too believe God, and we are going to make it. He will never forsake us. He will never fail us, regardless of what it might look like within your heart of hearts. I will be with you. And so what we're going to discover is the secret of Joshua's victories, the secret of his successes. It was not his skill. It was not that he was a great warrior. It was his submission to the Word of God. That's the key. Look again at verse 8. I told you we're going to look at it often. This book of the law, it says in verse 8, it should not depart from your mouth, Joshua. And I say the same thing to you and me. We should meditate upon this, the Word of God, day and night. We should be careful to do according to all that is written within this Word. That's why you and I have studied like we do. I want you and me to get, get informed and, and comfortable with understanding what is in here so that we can be careful to do everything that is written within these pages because then and then only will you and I be prosperous. Then and then only when you and I have success. Verse 8. It's an amazing verse. You want to see what made Joshua so special? Turn to Numbers. It's just to the left. You're at Joshua. you got Deuteronomy and then Numbers. Look at Numbers chapter 13, please. You'll know the story. 
The story is, in Numbers chapter 13, Moses sent 12 spies to go spy out the land. There are 12 of them, but 10 of them, I, I don't believe you and I know their names, but I tell you, we know two of their names, Joshua and Caleb. In Numbers chapter 13, looking at verse 25, <clears throat> they now have returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Verse 26, they proceeded to come to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, and they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land, and they said, we went to the land where you sent us. It certainly flows with milk and honey. Look, this is its fruit. In other words, it is really special. But they say, nevertheless, nevertheless, verse 28, the people who live in the land, they're strong. Ooh, the cities are fortified. Mm, they're very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Anak was like giants. The people got frightened. Verse 30, Caleb quieted the people before Moses, and he said, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, no, no. We should by all means go up and take possession of that land. We'll overcome them. But the men, verse 31, who had gone up with him, said, we're not able to go up against those people. They're too strong for us. Look at verse 33. We saw Nephilim there, the sons of Anak. We became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. The ten spies said to the congregation, we're not strong enough. We, we can't make it. And sadly, the people did not listen to Caleb or Joshua that ended up delaying their conquest of that land for 40, 40 years because they were afraid. Through it all, Joshua was not blind. He saw the realities of what lied before him. He knew the situation, but he didn't allow the problems. He didn't allow the difficulties that lay there in that land to rob him of his faith in God. Note, his faith in God, not in himself. He didn't think he could do it. He thought his God could do it. You see, in retrospect, the difference between the ten spies and the two spies was the ten spies looked at God through their difficulties. Joshua and Caleb looked at their difficulties through their God. You hear me? One looked at the God through all the difficulties. And through their difficulties, God became kind of veiled. He came not able to do because the difficulties were so tough. The other two looked at God through the difficulties and their difficulties seemed small. It wasn't that they were naive. They were still big and great. Those cities were fortified. All of that was true. But Joshua and Caleb looked at God. I want, to, I want you and me to center our hearts and our thoughts upon our God. I want us to see God through our, uh, and, and then our difficulties. I don't want you and me to look at our difficulties anymore and then think, I wonder if God can do it. No, of course He can do it. Joshua knew that God was big enough to win the battles that lied before them. And the people said no. And they wandered for 40 years because of it. Moses encouraged Joshua to trust in God, to not be afraid long before 
the book of Joshua was written. Look at Deuteronomy. De back in Joshua, chapter 1, turn to the left, just a page or two. Look at Deuteronomy, chapter 31. And you're going to see something very similar to what we've just read in Joshua, chapter 1. Here's what Moses said. Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verse 1. So Moses went and spoke these words to all of Israel. And he said to them, I'm 120 years old today. I'm no longer able to come and go. The Lord has said to me, you're not going to cross the Jordan. You're just not going to do it, Moses. And then in verse 3, Moses said, It is the Lord your God who will cross ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you shall depossess them. Joshua, Joshua, Moses said, he's the one who will cross ahead of you, just as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them just as he did to Sihon and Anag, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. The Lord will deliver them before you. You shall do to them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. Now, look at verses 6, 7, and 8 and compare them in your mind to what we've just read out of Joshua. In verse 6, Moses said to Joshua and the people, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. Then Moses called to Joshua and said to him in the sight of Moses caused, called to Joshua and said to him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you will go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. You shall give it to them as an inheritance. And the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. Don't fear. Don't be dismayed. People, I say to you today with all of my heart, don't you and I be afraid. Don't you and I be fearful. There's going to be some difficult times, I believe, ahead of us. We need to prepare ourselves for those difficult times. We need to see God through those difficult times. We don't need to see those difficult times and then see God. We must keep our mind and our hearts, our hearts on Him who will not leave us nor forsake us and will see us through. You know, just like Moses, just like Paul, just like Peter, they're all human beings. They made their mistakes, and so will we. But Moses and Joshua were still God's anointed leaders. The people said in Joshua chapter 1, verse 17, We heeded Moses in everything, so we will heed you, Joshua. The church today needs leaders like that. Courageous, strong, fearless because they know that God is with them. And the church today needs us as followers, too, who will say to the leaders, we will heed you in all things, just as we heeded the others. I believe that God has great things ahead of you and me. I believe that this book is going to change your and my life, perhaps like none other book you and I have ever studied, because we've already seen the theme and the theme is strength and courage. And the theme is not to be dismayed nor to tremble. The theme is to know that wherever we go, that God is with us and He will not forsake us. He will not fail us. He will be with us. 
We need to hear Him and see Him. And we need to prepare this place for the onslaught of people who are going to come here. We need to prepare our hearts to study the Word of God and to practice it so that we can teach it. We have to have the heart of Ezra and we have to have the boldness and the power and the heart of Joshua. We need to be strong, fearless, courageous. Father, please, give us that heart. Give us the heart, Father God, that will reach out to those in this community and beyond and touch them with the cause of Jesus Christ, I pray with all of my heart. And Father, would you lead us into this land that we need to be in? Would you lead us into this place that you want us to be as a church? Would you lead us, Father God, into the very essence of who and what you want us to be? And may we see you, and may we follow you, and may we be courageous, and may we be strong, and may we not tremble or fear. But may we trust that you are here with us and you will lead us. And so, Father, we pray these things in the precious and wonderful name of your Son. And it is because of your Son, Father, that we can claim this boldness. Because he has given us the very privilege of being children of yours. And so, Father, may we live like it, not cower and be afraid, not live like paupers. Let us live like children of the King of Kings. I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I love you all more than I can tell you. Hold on. This is going to be a great study. I know it. I love you very much. Have a great day.